This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right here on 98.7 ESPN, you know the vibes. 800-919-3776. Let's talk. Let's do it. Let's vent. Hit me up on Twitter at Ty D. Butler. That's where I am on Instagram as well. You go to Twitter, uh, the aforementioned Twitter. Right now, trending is hashtag Fire Cashman. Reason why Yankees lose again, 8-3 to the Red Sox at home in the Bronx. Before you could even take your seat, the game was over. Boom, boom, pow, 4 nothing. before the Yankees came to bat. Then through two innings, it was a touchdown deficit for the Bombers, who ultimately go on to lose 8-3. to They've now lost six straight games, nine of their last ten. They are two games under five hundred this late into the season for the first time since 1992. And it's funny because I'm sitting on my couch, and I would not have even imagined this. It's August. You've got Yankees-Red Sox rivalry renewed. You know, all of the... Energy and passion that goes into these two teams coming together. And somehow I had a Giants preseason game higher on my power rankings. Who would have thought that meaningless exhibition game I'm more excited about than Yankees-Red Sox in late August? That just goes to show you where this team is. And for the Yankees, it's actually become a comedy show. I I am not part of that segment of the fan base that gets all upset and devastated. Like, when they lost to the Marlins, giving up five runs in that final inning last Sunday, it was so funny to hear people say, oh, gut-wrenching, heartbreak, devastating. No, it wasn't. No, it it was not at all. It was just the latest installment of, of the comedy show that is the 2023 Yankees. And the only intrigue left in this performance, this pathetic performance, is just... How bad is this thing going to get? Because we, we laugh and, and, and oh, two games under 500. Are they going to finish 10 under? Six straight losses, and there's no signs of a win coming. Now, I say that, and once they go out there and, and bludgeon Boston tomorrow. But you look at this team, and they're just not good at all. They don't do anything well. And tonight, it felt like an offensive explosion. They score three runs, they get 10 hits. Aaron Judge, two-run shot. And and how embarrassing is it that Judge, he's played, uh, how many games has he played this year, Aaron Judge? He's played 67 games and somehow still leads the team in home runs. 67 games, that's your home run leader. And my question with Judge is, let's just say this were his contract year. Instead of last season. Like, this was the contract year for Judge. Would he return next year? And if not, whose decision would that have been? Would that have been Judge deciding, yeah, this is a dumpster fire. I want no parts of this. Or would it be the Yankees saying, up, injured, not going anywhere anyway, let's blow this thing up? I think that's fascinating to examine. It's It's been a lost season. I'm shocked fans are still showing up. And I get these tickets might have been purchased before the season, sold out way before, you know, once the schedule came out. But to to waste your time going to the ballpark to watch this 
dumpster fire. Got to have more time on your hands to do other things than to watch this team. And for all of those fans who have spent the last two seasons complaining about, you know, where to find the game, Apple TV, I don't have it. Tonight you were blessed and you were fortunate. Because that game was over in three minutes. Three minutes. Johnny Brito, thanks for showing. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Nice, fun performance. Two in the third innings pitch, seven runs. Good job. So uh, Yankees fans now will be clamoring for the young guys to come up. And before the game, Aaron Boone was asked about Everson Pereira and Austin Wells. And, you know, there's this perception that they are on the Yankees' radar to potentially be called up. And he said, we'll see. The problem is Pereira is on the 40-man roster. Wells isn't. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, you know, Franchi Cordero can't risk losing him on the 40-man roster. I add Austin Wells, who could be a part of your future. Man, oh, man, how the mighty have fallen. The problem is, as excited as you would be watching these young guys get called up, and it's really the only reason why you would continue to pay attention to this team, they have no shot of getting to the playoffs. No shot. There, no shot at all. And I said this back in July. But now that it's August 18th, they're cooked. The only way you keep your fans engaged is by bringing these young guys up. But the problem is, how are we to trust that they're any good? You keep selling us a bag of goods, saying, you know, these young prospects can't trade them. They're going to be excellent. They get caught up, and it's like, who is this guy? Why were we clamoring to see him? You remember, you know, Debbie Garcia is the, the latest example of a Yankee prospect who was overhyped. They designated him for assignment. So it's just like a treadmill. This team has been, you know, on this treadmill for, for years. And, and with all due respect to David Sampson, who was on Anita Marks' show before me, what the hell is he talking about? Yankee fans, don't overreact. Brian Cashman is giving you three-plus decades of, uh, of seasons over 500. What the hell are you talking about, David? Because that's what gets lost in this whole thing. They are living off of legacy. And it's turning into arrogance. You thought this team was close. Since Boone has gotten here, who, the, who here are the, the teams the Yankees have won in, uh, against in playoff series. Here are the series they've won. Minnesota, Cleveland, Cleveland. That's the list. This team hasn't been on the cusp of winning a championship. And what gives me pleasure and joy in a weird way is Yankee fans before the season were sound the alarms on this team. They were sounding the alarms back in November. Not good enough. Did nothing to add to your offense. Yeah, you're bringing Verdon on a six-year contract. But the, the real problem and what has stymied them in the postseason has been their offense. And you did nothing to add to it. And what was the response to those Yankee fans calling this station? Spoiled brats. Was that true? Nope. Overreacting. Too premature. This Yankee team will figure it out. 
Well, have they figured it out? Of course not. So with the Yankee fans who were on this train prior to the year proven to be correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love to hear Aaron Boone tout all, all the teams of the past who have gone on runs, the Phillies and the Braves, the Nationals. Hey, Aaron, you do realize that part of going on a run is actually winning baseball games? Hard to do that when it's August and you've lost 9 of 10. And you, you congratulations, you played yourself bringing up the Phillies. Because you know what happened to the Phillies last year about midway through the season? They fired their manager and then they went on a run. So I don't think that's the the example you want to reference. I don't think that's the path you want the Yankees to go down. But if they continue to show up to this ballpark and they're booing the the, the team all over the place and and, and shouting fire Cashman and fire Boone, it's going to force Hal Steinbrenner to make a move. They're going to force his hand. You go back about a week and a half ago, the report is Boone, if this season ends with the Yankees in last place, He's going to get fired. Cashman is safe. If this thing continues to go sideways and, and they are thoroughly embarrassed, I'm talking 10 games under 500, squarely in last place, it's non-competitive. People aren't showing up to the ballpark. And when they do, the loudest noise you hear is that of fire Boone, fire Cashman chance. That's going to be a problem for the owner. That's a problem. And Aaron Boone's on the screen. Uh, we'll get a chance to hear from him and what he has to say. That's actually become the most entertaining part of a Yankee broadcast. And it's not the game itself, but what kind of wackiness are we going to get from Boone following the game? About hard hit rate and care factor and at-bat quality. All those buzzwords they like to go to while the team is getting embarrassed on the field. 800-919-3776. We're cooking. We'll get to the Giants uh, part of things because they did play tonight. And Danny Dimes looked pretty, pretty good. Which is why I continue to question this whole take a step back and miss the playoffs being accepted and okay for the Giants fans. But we'll get into that as well. Ty Butler going until midnight. 800-919-3776. want to hear from you if you're leaving the stadium. Yankee fans, did you leave after the second inning or did you stay the entirety of that thing? All power to you if you did. Or maybe I'd respect you more if you decided to bounce once they went down 7 nothing. 800-919-3776. Send me your Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. We're going to midnight right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Forty years, you thought this would be a big series? You thought this would be... Uh, you know, pretty much one that could ultimately decide uh, what happens in the division. And even if the Red Sox weren't going to be good, it, because you have decreased the amount of division games you play, it, it makes them much more important and much more significant. But now you're just you're just wishing that baseball would in season institute a mercy rule. Stop the fight. Have the the refs come in, throw their hands up and wave, sound the bell. This thing should just be over. Can, can we just get to September 10th, Giants-Cowboys? Can we get to September 11th, Bills-Jets? We, we've got to wait three more weeks for that and watch these disgusting baseball teams take up our time. Oh, man. And now, because it, it, it's so funny because the Yankees are actually courtesy of how they're playing. Letting the Mets off the hook. 
The Mets haven't been a story now for almost a month since they decided to trade all of their pieces away and they did that the retool revamp punt on the rest of the season and they kind of are, are just flying under the radar right now. And, you know, as we speak, they're up 7 nothing in St. Louis. So they get to fly under the radar. We, we, we gave them the smoke for how embarrassing the season was for them. But the Yankees are trying to outdo the Mets. And I posed this question last night. Which is the bigger disaster? Is it the Mets or the Yankees? The Mets at least had the wherewithal, you know, we're not going anywhere. This, let's just blow this thing up. Out goes Verlander, Scherzer, Robertson, Pham, Canna. Let's just let's just you know not get fooled by a win streak against bad teams. The Yankees thought you know they they were still in it. They're cashing at the deadline. We're, we're, we're in it to win it, and this is blowing up in their faces. So now we have to watch this team that still thinks that they're a contender play it out and just throw up all over themselves. And they're they're becoming a bigger embarrassment than the Mets. I guess that's what I get for making fun of the Mets fans who got all sensitive when I called this thing from the beginning. But here's karma. Uh, here's karma. Here's karma. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Miami and talk to Mike. He bats lead off on the Ty Butler show. What's up, Mike? Hey, my friend. You know what's crazy? How much money you could have made uh, betting against the Yankees? They're two and eight in the last ten. You know. And uh, is that right? I got my numbers right? Uh, they've lost nine of their last ten games. My God. People are in the poorhouse or people are rich. They can gamble. We can't legally gamble down here in Miami. But I wanted to ask you, the game's just getting underway. The Dodgers are the hottest team in baseball, and they're only like minus 145 against uh, our sorry Marlins down here. That's crazy, too. And – uh Finally, uh, I was listening to a Barton Hahn show, and uh, Bart uh, made a comment that uh, Alan uh, has a tattoo of Mickey Mouse on his backside, and it really struck a nerve. And uh, Alan said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Because all he does is laugh now the whole show, you know? I, I really uh, I really don't like that show. I just wanted to air that out. and. I wanted to compliment you. You're doing a great job, okay? Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I, I don't know if we need to, in complimenting me, take shots at, at my fellow colleagues. Love Bart and Hahn. By the way, happy birthday to Bart Scott. Celebrating the, 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 the G-Day today. Big up to Bart Scott and, and his family. Hope they're having a good weekend. Saw him and Bill Barnwell going at it this morning on Get Up because Bill Barnwell talking about the Cowboys are now the favorites in the NFC East. Bill is, is, you know, marching up that ladder that people say about me, that, you know, I'm hot to take control. Bill Barmore is becoming that guy. He's just becoming that guy. 800-919-3776. Lonnie's in Harlem. What's up, Lonnie? Ty, what's going on, Julian, Chantel? Bill Barnwell's a quack. (laughs) Um, Listen, Ty, man, our home team, the Yankees, ooh, horrendous, bro. I mean... Like you said, I mean, game was over before you can even put the put a piece of popcorn in your mouth. Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know, man. And you know, and you know. Go ahead, let me hear. And you know, it's crazy, man. This is like, all right, like you were saying with the whole Marlins thing. I'm not gonna hold you. I've been out basically since like mid season. I already told you this, but like that Marlins game, bro. I was sitting there like, yo, 
if they win this game, they win this series, the fact that Gleyber had three stolen bases that day, Volpe hit a home run, uh, uh, the catcher hit a home run. I tend to forget his name. Higashioka. He hit a home run. No, 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 not Higashioka. Uh, the new guy. Oh, Rorvet, Rorvet. Rorvet, right. Rorvet hit a home run. Him and Cole was looking like they was getting, you know, they was working things out. You know, it looked like they was arguing, whatever. But you know they was working things out. The game was basically over, huh? And the fact that they couldn't close out three innings, I mean, three outs, and stuff like that was like, I mean, what? It doesn't that shock right you. That right tells you this team, this team, it, it, it absolutely, no, it does kind of shock you because it's three outs, huh? That's why no. I was thinking, like, yo, I can't believe this team just lost with three outs. But now let's get back to tonight. Our most hated rival, technically, besides the cheating Astros as of right now. And we get smacked in the mouth, just like you said. <laughs> We're basically six. We have won one game against this team. That's right. That alone is embarrassing. I like, yo, Todd, it's, it's crazy. Like I always try to say, I don't call for people's jobs. I really try not to. But, man, listen, Cashman. Boom! How somebody needs to pay for this? Because I'm I'm 33 years old. I can honestly say I've never seen a season this bad. It has really been bad. And to be honest, people say, "Yo, you know, they didn't see this coming." Ha! I saw this coming from last year. Because if you pay attention, bro, the team was bad when Judge was out. Then when he came back, they were still pretty bad. As everybody keeps saying, some uh, you too. If Judge did not have that historic season he had last year, the team was not making the playoffs at all. They didn't look good at it. They didn't really look good at any point during the, uh, uh, last year besides the beginning. The second half, forget it. After All-Star break, the team basically fell apart. Yeah, man. So listen, man, this is what we have to, this is what we have to resort to. Uh, like you said, September 10th and September 11th can't get hit any faster, okay? Shout out to the company. Shout out to Utah. Listen, the dojo, man, I can't I can't say it enough. Appreciate you for coming in Tuesday through Friday, getting it done, and, and, you know, opening the dojo for us listeners, man. Yo, Thank appreciate you, you Lon. I'll be on DPH on Rothenberg next Thursday and Friday morning with my guy Dan Gross. A couple of things to react to on that phone call. It, we phrase it as the Yankees got to the championship series last year, and that's the correct way to say it. But we dive a little deeper. And remember what actually happened. They struggled to beat Cleveland, were saved by Garrett Cole, and they got swept by the Astros. So they ended up going 3-6 and six in the playoffs, which is nothing to be proud of. That's number, that's number one. Number two, look, I get it. It's weird. It's awkward to call for people's jobs. You can feel that way. Uh, I don't. If they're not performing, we're in a business of giving our opinions. We're in a business of analyzing what we're watching and then coming to a decision based on what we just witnessed. Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman both have to go. They both have to go. I like Aaron. I I remember the day he got the Yankee job. I texted him. Congratulations. He answered me, and that felt good that we had a little connection. Uh, It it was fun. It was cool. But the reality is his his time has run up. If the Yankees saw him as the guy to get them to the next level post-Joe Girardi, he hasn't gotten it done. It's, It's been a failure. It's been a failure, and that's by Howe's account. Brian Cashman has been an utter disaster. They both have to go. 
They both have to go. I don't have a problem calling for people's jobs when I'm watching what's going on and it's not working because that's trash. And it's it's garbage that they try to last offseason sell you as a box of groceries. But it's utter trash. And, and we're all sick of it. And you talked about Judge, you know, what he has done and what the Yankees have been since he's come back. Uh, coming into tonight, they were hitting 224 with a 679 OPS, averaging a shade under four runs per game since his return. They're now 25 and 37 since Judge returned. Uh, or I'm sorry, since the toe injury on on June 3rd, they're 25 and 37. They're 12 games under 500 since he got hurt. This season isn't just about Judge, though. Don't get it twisted. It's not just about Judge. If it were just about Judge, then there could be a case made. All right, you know this this is just a one-off. It's not a, just about him. It's just an extension of of problems we've seen for years. The symptoms were shown but masked by the fact that the Yankees beat the Guardians in the playoffs last year. So let's cut that out. 800-919-3776. We'll talk Giants when we get back. Daniel Jones, is there a chance he can, this year, become the second-best quarterback in the NFC? Oh, that would be interesting. Todd Butler going till midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. We're on Instagram and on the phone lines, 800-919-3776. If you watched that Giants preseason game tonight, oh boy, that was a treat. Got the starters to play, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller. First three plays, Jones to Waller. Danny actually went eight for nine on his first drive, the only drive he played, uh, for 69 yards he looked excellent. I'll give him a lot of credit. He looked awesome, controlling the tempo, using his legs, showing great command of that offense, and he was so good. David was like, all we need to see is one series from you, and you're all done. And it's very unlikely he'll play next week against the Jets. So that was the preseason for him. And, you know, he'll continue to practice, but we got a chance to see him tonight, and he looked great. The Giants scored a touchdown on that opening drive. Uh, Waller caught three passes. It was fun to watch. It, it actually showed you what this team can be if Waller is healthy. You don't want to go nuts analyzing a preseason game. But for what we saw, you got to be excited. you got to be pumped if you're a Giants fan. Which brings us to the money question. What are reasonable expectations for your quarterback Entering year five, who is now making $40 million a season? Because the answers seem to vary. There are some Giants fans who will tell you he's the second best quarterback in this division. They've just dismissed Dak Prescott. And I've actually heard others say, you put him on the Eagles last year, they're still in the Super Bowl. But then there is a section of the Giant fan base still not sold on this guy. They still need to see more. And where you get that from is how are you this talented of a team feeling this great about the direction of the franchise and yet you think they could miss the playoffs? That tells me you're still not sold on the quarterback. But we're going to get a great look at this guy. We are going to get an up-close-and-personal look at Daniel Jones 
who is now paid, who is in year two in this system with expectations. And I do think there's pressure on him. The Giants are flying under the radar, but there is some pressure on Daniel Jones. There is an out built into this contract after two seasons. So he's going to be under the microscope for the next two years. And they are going to have to make a decision on whether or not when the next time they're in an NFC championship game or the Super Bowl, do they envision him being under center? And as we you know, pay attention to the Jets, who are stealing all the headlines, we're going to see the Giants get a lot of nationally televised games where it's just everyone watching them three times in the first four weeks. You get Sunday night football against the Cowboys. Then week three, that's the you know Thursday night game on Prime Video in San Francisco. So that's back-to-back you know, nationally televised solo games uh, against two of the best teams in your conference. And then the week after that, Monday night football at home against Seattle. Through your, four, through your first four games, we are only watching you. We are watching the quarterback you just gave $40 million a year to. Because I'll tell you what, if Daniel Jones plays the same exact way he did last season, his production will be better since he has better weapons. You feel better about the options he has at his disposal. But that should be the worst-case scenario. The expectation should be that he's better than last year. And with an improved team around him, he establishes himself as someone you feel comfortable going forward with, that you can win with, and not just settle for 8-9. and nine. No, you can actually win, like we saw last season. And I understand, seven one-score games. Things broke their way. You know, they were very fortunate. But trust your head coach, trust your quarterback. We can't get to the end of this season and still have reservations. We should know exactly what type of quarterback he is after five years in the league. Exactly what type of quarterback he is. The NFC is wide open. The Niners, extremely talented. But that revolving door at quarterback is a problem. That's a huge problem. That Trey Lance situation is so weird. They gave up all that capital to go out there and get him. And he's in competition with Brock Purdy and, and Sam Darnold. This should be Trey Lance's team. He suffered that injury last year. But he, he should be able to come back and, and win this job. I know Brock Purdy was serviceable and got them to an NFC Championship game. But... most of that is just the brilliance of of, of Kyle Shanahan. Trey Lance, I mean, if this doesn't work out, it's going to look awful for the Niners. That's going to look awful. Assuming they don't win a Super Bowl. If if they find a way to withstand it and and win a championship, no one's going to care. But to give up all of that for your quarterback and he not be able to get on the field, that'll just look bad for them. The Eagles are the favorites, but, you know, there's always that variable hanging over them. That's the Super Bowl hangover. Could that affect their production this year? Could that affect how good they are? 
And we know that the trend in the NFC East, how long it's been since you've gotten back-to-back division winners. So there you have it as far as that's concerned. And then there's the Cowboys, who could be dangerous on both sides of the ball. They were a tremendous defense and then went out there and added Stephon Gilmore. That they could be loaded on both sides of the ball. But in the end, they're the Cowboys, and until proven otherwise, as Stephen A. likes to say, they're an accident waiting to happen. Look at their head coach. So that opens things up for the Giants. And I'm not saying you go out there and win a championship. That's not what I'm putting the standard. That's not where I'm putting the standard. But what I'm saying is with Brady and Rodgers out of the conference, the quarterback hierarchy has changed. So what does it mean for the lens we use to analyze Daniel Jones? Is there a scenario that exists where we get to the end of the season and we're questioning whether or not he's the second, legitimately questioning whether or not he's the second best quarterback in the NFC behind Hurts. Because Jalen's got it. I, I, I think because of what we saw last year, and I get it, it's only a one-year sample size, but there was a ton to, to be impressed with what we saw. He's the best quarterback in the NFC. But could we get to the end, could we get to the end of the year and we're like, Wait, maybe the second best is Daniel Jones. Maybe he's the second best. And Giant fans, like that's that's something you dream of. You go from thinking this guy might not get a second contract to, wait, we have the second best quarterback in our conference? You can recap it. After his rookie season, we thought they might have something here. They just might have something. Maybe Dave Gettleman wasn't off his rocker when he took him six overall. Had that win over Tampa Bay in in his first start. Then he had three more games where he threw for four-plus touchdowns. Losses to the Jets and the Lions, and then that that win over Washington that took them, you know, the the five-touchdown game. I think that was the game that took them out of the Chase Young sweepstakes. But after that, injuries and turnovers happened in the next two seasons, and now he's fighting for his life as a giant. Last year comes along, and he seemingly puts it all together. With not a lot of talent at the receiver position. People saw that, and you graded him on a curve because of it. You gave him extra credit for getting this team to the playoffs and winning a playoff game because he didn't have that assortment of weapons that necessarily made you feel great about them accomplishing just that. And despite all of it, he was able to do it. But this season, he has to be good. And if things fall apart, it can't be because the Giants have a deficiency at quarterback. That cannot be the story when we get to the end of the season. If they fall apart, it'll have to be, well, the defense was, was not great injuries, offensive line, it has to be something not named Daniel Jones. Because I'll tell you what, if the Giants don't make the playoffs, you can right now try to brace for that unfortunate thing taking place, but if they don't make the playoffs, that that's a massive disappointment. Don't get it twisted. That is a massive disappointment. And don't give me schedule difficulty and, you know, your your division is tough. The fact that we are going into a season and a lot of people are just like, yeah, you know what? Pencil them in for four losses to the the Cowboys and the Eagles. 
That's bad. You paid you just paid your quarterback and you have no confidence he can win more than two division games against the worst team in that division? You got to be higher on him than that. Even if you are in that camp of there's still a lot left for him to accomplish before we're fully sold on him. You got to be higher on him than his his peak is two division wins. You have to. But I, I, I'm excited to see it play out. I am excited to see it play out. Mike Tannenbaum was on DPH on Rothenberg this morning, and he was asked, are the Giants closer to a top-four NFC team or missing the playoffs? I see it really as Philly, Dallas, and San Francisco, and then draw a line. I think any of those three teams have a real chance to get the Super Bowl. You know, I think the difference between Dallas and Philly is razor thin. You look at head-to-head a year ago, you know, they were one-on-one. Point differential was incredibly close. I think for the Giants, I just don't know how they're going to score points, again, to keep up with those other teams. I like Darren Waller. My experience is when a player has durability issues and they get older guys, they don't get more durable. So that, that would be my concern with the Giants. Well, yeah, that's the biggest X factor. It has to be. Darren Waller. If you can find a way to keep him on the field, we see how much of a difference maker he can be. And we saw it. Again, it's preseason. You don't want to go too crazy, you know, having that be the projection for what's going to happen in the regular season. But we saw in that first draft, uh, that first drive, three receptions, 30 yards. And Danny just kept feeding him. First three plays, boom, 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 all go to Darren Waller. That's going to be his security blanket, his his favorite weapon. And he's probably looking around like, oh, my, I didn't have this last year. Didn't have this. So, naturally, the expectation should be that you take a step forward. And what does that step forward look like for, for Jones? What does that second-year leap look like for him? Because if he takes it, it's hard to imagine they missed the playoffs. Because I get people saying, well, you know, if they go 7-10, and 10, but Daniel Jones establishes himself as a franchise quarterback. Guys, how is that happening? With everything you like about this team, how does Daniel Jones play that well and the Giants only win seven games? Make it make sense. 800-919-3776. Your phone call is coming up on the football. Talk about the Jets as well before we get back to the Yankees and hear from Aaron Boone. So still a whole lot to do as we gear toward... Top of the hour. Ty Butler going until midnight. Filling in for Larry and Gordon right here on 9870 SPN. Got me thinking about the team that I root for, the New York Jets, who will be in action tomorrow against the Bucks. I would like to see Rodgers get some action during the preseason. And, I, you know, he's hinted at showing interest in doing so. I, I just don't want your first snap with this offense against actual competition to be in a huge Monday night game at home against the Bills, especially with the offensive line being so shaky. That, to me, is terrifying. I I would like to see the Jets play one or two series with their starters, including Rodgers, in the preseason. That has to happen. And by the way, got some bad news today on the offensive line front. For all of us who were fantasizing about a little reunion with David Bakhtiari between you know, him and Aaron Rodgers, the GM of the Packers, Brian Gutekunst, announced that he will not be trading him. He will not be the savior. I always thought it would be dumb for the Packers to trade Bakhtiari, 
you're trying to develop your young quarterback who you traded up to grab in the first round. Why are you trading your offensive lineman away? And that's what, you know, that's what's so funny when, you know, Jet fans uh, will entertain, you know, grabbing an offensive lineman at the deadline. Teams don't just give tackles away. Teams aren't just giving away offensive linemen. And you usually look to the ones who are bottoming out. They're sellers. They're not going anywhere. But you're bottoming out to do what? To draft your quarterback. And when you draft your quarterback, you need to develop him. How do you develop him? You give him weapons. How do those weapons get open? He needs time to throw. What gives him time to throw? Really good offensive linemen. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to roll with what you have. What you have hasn't been good. I did see a, a, a clip from Schefter. Uh, I forget what show he was on, but he was talking about how he thinks this has been an overrated storyline. The Jets' offensive line is going to be better than what people are saying. And something that I uh, said earlier this week, a sentiment that I uttered, which was that the brilliance of Rodgers immediately makes your offensive line better. Because of what he can do pre-snap, diagnosing plays, getting guys into coverages, just that, just his mind alone and his artistry as a quarterback improves your offensive line. But you still need that unit to be solid. Robert Sala, though, not panicking. I think individually we have a really good good set of guys. You know, all of them can play football. It's just becoming a unit. I don't think anyone in here is panicked. Coaches are always in panic mode. That's just the way we're, we're wired. We always want things done now. But uh, but you also understand when you when you look at the global view of it all, there's, there's guys coming back from injury. There's a lot of growth happening. There's a lot of really good things happening. When I turned on the tape yesterday, I had a lot of really good stuff on tape. And then today, today was a good practice for those guys. In the building, no one's panicking. The message is still the same. We've got plenty of time. We're going to figure it out. Best five will play and we'll get it done. Yeah, that wasn't the type of energy we, we heard in Hard Knocks when you was ripping into him. And I did not love you having to question effort. That should not be a question for a team with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Effort, want to, that those key words should never come up from the head coach. This season is way too important, and it's one of the reasons why I worry about what could happen. Not a lot of, you know, championship experience on this roster. Obviously, you have Rodgers there, but, you know, Salah comes from a winning program with San Francisco. The fact that I heard him on Hard Knocks talking about effort. Effort. It's not a great sign. Not a great sign at all. Mike Tannebaum on DPH on Rothenberg asked, should the head coach of the Jets, Robert Sala, be panicking about the offensive line? Yeah, I don't know if it's panic, but you're always looking to improve your team. You know, team building is a continuum. You know, it happens all year long. And, you know, we just saw Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott sign the AFC East. And, you know, I think it's going to be a very competitive division. But I, I will say this. Like, there is a shortage of good offensive linemen in the NFL. Like, the Jets have issues, but I promise you, there's a whole bunch of other teams that are, are looking at the same thing. So who solves it? And how quickly can may determine you know the fates of some of these teams. So I think the Jets have issues, but again, they are certainly not alone. Not alone, but the problem is with that that tough slate to start the season. You really can't afford to be figuring things out. It's go time. It, it, it's go time, which is why I go back to the point. I, I would like to see the starters get into some action earlier. Uh, you know, in that Giants game. Play a couple series, see what you got, then go out. 
Your biggest fear has to be injury, obviously, but you, you, you can't go into the year. Like, first, like, could you imagine first series they've played together against real fierce competition? And it's a Monday night football in a huge game against the Bills? I wouldn't love that. Not at all. Bill Barnwell can't say for sure uh, if Rodgers will return to top five quarterback form when he spoke to. Barton Hahn earlier today. If Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback, if you could know Aaron Rodgers is going to lock in and be that guy, there's no question. They'd be the best team in the division, or they would at least be competitive with the Bills as the best team in the division. But again, like we talk about 39-year-old quarterback, let's say 36-year-old quarterback. Those guys typically don't get better, they get worse. Aaron Rodgers was not a top five quarterback last year. And I think the downside for that is looking at, obviously, a totally different quarterback and different personality, different situation, but Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, where I think a lot of us expected the Broncos to be a lot better with Russell Wilson in the fold, and everything went wrong. But then Hackett was involved. Just going to point that out. You know, Russell Wilson was a guy who was not going to be a top five quarterback, but certainly a top ten quarterback heading into last season, and took a major step backwards. So doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers is going to follow that path, but we can't say for sure just because Tom Brady did it that Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. Too. I hear that. I don't like the, the the Russell Wilson comparison just because Rodgers' floor is still higher than Russell's floor. His ceiling is higher and his floor is higher. Russell Wilson is not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers is. 800-919-3776. Sam is in Long Island. Wants to talk Jets. What's up, Sam? Hey, how's it going, Todd? Going well, man. What's going on? Um, So I was just heard you talking about how there was questions about the Jets and what their effort might be like with in regards to hard knocks and how there was questions about it. I think it's just going to take some time at least because this team is very young and they do have Super Bowl aspirations. But on top of the fact that it may not just be effort, it might just think that, look, Aaron Rodgers is just going to get us there. Everybody can kind of sit back and relax. So I don't know if there's a question about effort as much as there's a question about where their heads are at and what they can expect going into the season. Look, it's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point, and I appreciate the call. Don't and that was another thing that came up in actually the actually the uh, first episode of Hard Knocks, where uh, all of this all of his teammates are just in awe, like you know Jesus Christ Himself walked through the facility, and that's something else you're gonna have to get over. Like the, it, it's it's go time. These this this first six game stretch could really be do or die, as far as indicators for for your season. And if you fashion yourself to be a contender, can't come out of here one and five, two and four. Hour number two coming up next. Ty Butler going to midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN.